0: Hello and good day to our school community. This is Dr. James Cation, superintendent of the Briarcliff Manor School District, and your host for today's Supercast, where we engage in interesting conversations with interesting people from around the school district and throughout the region. I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Good morning and welcome to the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Assemblywoman Dana Levenberg. Assemblywoman Dana Levenberg began her career in advertising and television production and later served as Chief of Staff to Assemblywoman Sandy Galiff. In 2015, Ms. Levenberg was elected Town Supervisor in Ossining and in the fall of 2022 was elected to represent the 95th District in the New York State Assembly. Good morning and welcome.
1: Good morning, Superintendent Kasian. Nice to speak with you.
0: Thank you for taking the time to be with us.
1: Absolutely. So to start our conversation, why
0: don't you tell us about your journey in politics and what do you think brought you to this point in your political career?
1: So I like to tell people that I followed a very traditional female path. Because uh, I didn't just jump right in and run for president of the United States, I actually kind of got in at the grassroots level, and that was really advocating for my children. So uh, my kids started out. Yeah, I moved here from New Jersey, actually, or well, from the city originally. I I grew up in New Jersey, Teaneck, New Jersey. uh, diverse district um, in New Jersey, right across the river, um, moved to the city after college and met my husband there and was actually in advertising, as you said, you, you told my whole life story right there. <laughs> um, and, uh, at, and uh, you know, we, we were in the city and I, I um, after having kids and realizing or one child and realizing that there absolutely wasn't enough in our very large apartment for all of our stuff. So we we moved up to the Burbs and uh, Austin was a great place, uh, which is where we moved to. Um, And immediately I needed to figure out what to do with myself because we decided um, after I had uh, my first child that I was going to be a stay at home mom, Um, which is, you know, pretty unusual these days. Um, And at the time I thought it was going to be something I could do, but I I definitely found it a little uh, difficult to just have conversations with my newborn. Um, and so shortly, in short order, I found that, you know, I needed friends. And so I started getting involved in play groups and like sort of traditional kind of things that you do to meet people. And uh, I got to meet a lot of a lot of folks from Briarcliff through some of the play groups. Um, and I, I was steered to Briarcliff Nursery School for my probably two and a half year old, um, and uh, I started immediately getting involved. It was it's a cooperative nursery school. I don't know if it still is or not, but um, where everybody participates. and I got uh, involved in, the fundraising committee and this committee and that committee, whatever. And, you know, again, immediately started learning sort of about what it was to be a parent, but also how to advocate for your kids. And I started writing for the newsletter and meeting more people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Before I knew it, I was actually on the board for a few minutes at Briarcliff Nursery School. And then the next year when I got to Ostening, um, or not the next year, but when my kid, you know, when my when my oldest son was ready for kindergarten and we were living in Ostening, um, I started to get involved with schools there and I got involved in the PTA. And I learned a lot about advocacy because the PTA was really a step into advocating for your children. And I learned about, you know, some of the initiatives that were taking place in Austin at the time. Universal Pre-K was on the table and, you know, talking about like, how do you, you know, actually make sure that our students are getting the best education that they can and getting the best start that they can. So I learned a lot about that through PTA and uh, I started going to the conferences. I, I became a PTA leader. I became president of the PTA um, in one of the schools. And then I became president of the PTA Council. And next thing I knew, uh, I found out that there was an opportunity to get involved with uh, nutrition in our schools uh, through Sandy Galiff's office. So I actually got on one of her committees. And we were talking about, uh, at the time, uh, getting, getting junk food out of the machines in the schools. So that was sort of like a first step advocacy through PTA, learning about how to talk to your legislators and about funding for our schools and pre-K and all the issues that are still kind of like we talk about on a regular basis, making sure that we had all those things in place. And again, I think very early on, I was, you know, we were fighting for, uh, for school aid and making sure that, you know, we were fighting for budgets. After all this, I ran for, the school board in Austin. I was actually on the school board for nine years in Austin and eight of those years I was working for Sandy Galiff, which sort of evolved out of my learning about advocacy and what it was and what it took to make sure that our kids were getting what they needed in schools. So, you know, making sure that they had the books that they needed and the programs that they needed and the safety and security uh, and all of the different pieces that uh, make for good schools and also that our educators had the tools that they needed um, and, you know, looking at the bigger picture. So, again, really kind of grassroots mom to, you know, next step, next step, next step, next step. This is how I got involved in politics. It wasn't something that was on my uh, radar, I don't think, when I came out of college, certainly, but it was certainly something that uh, sort of evolved. And so, again, working for Sandy, I learned uh, so much about what sort of went into making the sausage and how all the pieces fit together. Um, Sandy was always extremely pragmatic about spending and understanding that everybody needs a piece of the pie. And, you know, how are we going to get there? We kind of dove into school funding and was, were property taxes the best way to pay for our schools versus income tax versus, you know, other types of, you know, taxes, because ultimately that's, you know, how we pay for our schools. And I just learned an awful lot from working in her office. I also had a great opportunity. I'm going to just put this in early now, Jim, because I know you're going to ask me later. Um, she I, I eventually I started out as her communications director part time, but eventually I became her chief of staff, ran her district office, learned so much about constituent issues and what really people needed and how they use their legislative offices to get help from state agencies, whether they have a problem with unemployment or um, a lot of people would, would contact us about um Maybe immigration issues, which were really federal issues, um, you know, ro- problems with their roads, uh, school issues, any any sorts of things that that would come to mind. People would call the office about. So I learned a lot about the different state agencies and how we help could help navigate our constituents. Um, and then uh, we also had a wonderful, wonderful intern program. I learned so much from Sandy watching how she mentored. Not only her staff, but also all of these young people who would come through the door for maybe a summer program or a couple hours a week um, to whatever, put together proclamations and citations, uh, graduation certificates, um, learn to write letters to the editor, go through uh, the press and find out you know what was what was in the news and what maybe ideas for legislation and all the different things that sort of made the office work and uh, having young people involved and seeing again, seeing how Sandy would just bring people along and give interns real responsibilities um, was enlightening and inspiring, I think. So something that I really like to do. And I I, I know I, I've rambled on and on, but having worked for Sandy, um, it really opened you know, so many doors, just learning so much about, about local government also. Um, and I saw that an opportunity to run for uh, town supervisor um, opened up and I took it and ran for town supervisor in 2015 I guess right so I was th- I was town supervisor in town of Austin from 2016 to December of 2022
0: so that's very interesting uh this notion that it started small by doing small things you realize you had the capacity to be helpful to others, which, quite frankly, is refreshing. When you think about the world of politics, uh, it often seems as though people are trying to attain things for themselves rather than do good for others. So that's really nice to hear. And so, how does that, all of uh, those, all of those life experiences, manifest in your sense of your role now as Assemblywoman?
1: Well, I do think that I, I think it is a continuum and I think you're right that it really is about helping people. So more than anything, I mean, even as, you know, town supervisor, it was an opportunity to look and say, well, how can we make this community better? What is it that we can do? What can we offer? What as legis, I, I had a legislative role as well as an administrative role. They, they call me strong supervisor, um, You guys didn't see that, but I I made a muscle Um, in any case. uh, And uh, and, you know, that meant that as um, not in addition to coming up with legislation that would, again, make make the town a better place and make things function more smoothly. It also was an opportunity to actually make things happen, uh, fixing up our parks and public spaces, electrifying, um, you know, like really thinking about uh, how, you know, what can we do to improve our environment what can we do to improve our infrastructure to make um for the the future transition to our our next steps our future better and i think that um again um i i guess i'm a little bit of an opportunist you know when a door opens i like like to kind of peek through it and see what's on the other side and when Sandy announced that she was retiring, it was an opportunity for me to say, okay, well, is there more that I could do to make the world a better place, right? And so I think that's kind of where I come from in terms of, you know, what what it is, why would I wanna do this next step? And, you know, it's interesting because as a town supervisor, you're kind of, you're the chief elected official, right? And now I'm like down to one of 150. Uh, it's a little bit different, but I'm also serving a broader constituency and again, as I mentioned, you know, seeing all of the work that you can do, all the good that you can do from an assembly office to help others um, is here. I can help more, even more people, more broadly. Um, some of the big topics that you know we've been working on—you maybe have seen in the news—is addressing the uh, decommissioning of Indian Point and the discharging of the water from the spent fuel pools into the Hudson. And, you know, how is that going to happen? Is this the right decision? If not, what is it that we can do as legislators? Senator Pete Harkam and I have been working on legislation to basically take back control over what gets discharged into the Hudson. And you know what? This is an issue for Briarcliff, Ossining, Croton, and Cortland, uh, you know, peak Skill. Buchanan all up and down and into even into Cold Spring. And that's where my district covers a little piece of Yorktown as well. But all of, you know, basically all of my districts are Hudson River communities. And we all utilize the Hudson in some form or another. And uh, we want to make sure that we protect that. Very important natural resource and economic driver, to be perfectly honest. So it's important that, you know, those those are the types of issues that I have the opportunity to work work on at a broader level as an assembly person. Also making sure that all of our schools and all of our school children are getting the funding that they need. This uh, year, we were able to fully fund foundation aid which was the formula that was kind of put in place years ago uh, through the uh, Campaign for Fiscal Equity uh, lawsuit that the city um, had against the state to say, we need to make sure that all of our children are getting the funding that they need to get the education that they deserve. And um, I'm happy to report that I think Briarcliff did pretty well this year. along yes, we with did. Almost all of the other school districts in the 95th Assembly District, Um Yeah, actually, I brought I brought the school runs just so I could remind myself. But I think you know you had a jump of about um, maybe fifteen percent overall for your total aid additional from last year to this year, Um, and twenty percent of that uh, was a foundation aid increase. So that was, um, I think, really really nice to see.
0: Yeah, and we, we we talked extensively during the budgetary process with regard to the increased foundation aid, and it really enables us to be, do some really creative things to add value to the educational experience here, in addition to tend to some housekeeping needs that have been long neglected in, in uh, school districts. So Absolutely. thank you. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I mean, so much of what happened with the foundation aid story was that, you know, during the bad, the years when the bottom fell out of the economy in 2008, um, it was frozen and it kind of sent all the formulas crazy. And, you know, we saw increased enrollment here, decreases enrollment there. And uh, it's just what we really need to do is take a look at the formula now and say, OK, well, it's been in place for this many years and now it's time that we kind of relook at it and figure out if this formula itself is actually meeting the needs of our school districts and our students, or do we need to tweak that formula? So we actually had, I think about a million dollars in the budget to do just that and look at that foundation aid formula through um, the um, state ed department. So hopefully we'll um, we'll see, see that kick in sometime soon. Sometime in the not too distant future, and we can you know revisit and see if we're we're actually addressing the needs.
0: Well, you've definitely touched on some things that we I think we can all agree upon: clean water, um, a healthy environment, sure. uh, support for our schools, uh, equity with regard to resources, so that districts that struggle to raise money now can fill that gap uh, with the help of uh, the state and those aid runs. Yeah. So that's appreciated. What have you learned about the constituencies of the 95th district? I know there's they're quite. It's quite diverse, as sure. you you mentioned, since you announced you're running for the assembly.
1: Uh okay. Well, I mean, I did kind of know they—they're definitely changing. Um, I—I I do think that, uh, you know, we do have a changing population, and I think it's becoming more diverse, if anything. Um, and I, you know, I think that. Maybe I think in, in Briarcliff School District, you may, may have a growing Asian population. We have a growing um, Latinx population in Peekskill and Ossining. Um, and even, you know, in Croton and Cortland, we're seeing we're seeing that. Um, so we're definitely seeing changes. And, uh, you know, with changes, of course, there always come needs. Uh, one of the the big things I think that, you know, we saw from the governors uh, take, taking the lead on you know mental health and making sure that we were really funding that, not just in education where it's critically important, but across the board. Because if anything, COVID sort of brought out, you know, so many of, so uh, maybe underlying issues that we didn't know existed, but it really brought them to the forefront. Maybe it created issues. I know it did, because I know from my own kids, certainly, you know, people were faced with um, circumstances that, that they had never had to deal with before, and having to deal with those circumstances certainly, um, you know, maybe created some um, issues, mental health issues that um, really did need us to take time and money to address. And um, and I think that, you know, I'm, I'm seeing and hearing that more than ever from constituents that that is important. I mean, with inflation, cost of living increases, I mean, this is probably not before, like while I was running, but since I've um, been in office, you know, we're really seeing the impact across the board. And I think more than anything, uh, I don't, I I think people are afraid, you know, people are scared and some, and what I really see more than anything also is that people responding to the media and often uh, rhetoric that may or may not be true. And really, you know, trying to understand the facts versus uh, the, the narrative that's out there, I think is so important. Uh, Personally, I believe that, you know, there was a real false narrative around this whole bail reform issue and, 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 I'm a person who has sort of been out front about criminal justice reform, um, and that's probably because I got so involved in the Sing Sing Prison Museum, which led me to Um, understand so many of the issues that are facing some of our folks um, that are in the district and, uh, you know, like trying to understand what these issues are and how we can address them in a positive way that sort of raises all ships. So, uh, you know, I'm committed to making our communities healthy, environmentally healthy economically healthy, physically and mentally healthy all through the lens of equity. That's been my mantra. And I'm gonna continue to focus on all of those elements. So, you know, I I think you had, um, maybe we're thinking about asking me a question. So what's my top priority? I, you know, I don't think any of us should have a top priority. If we have a top priority, I mean, we can have a top priority, but if you just come in with one thing and that's all you're focused on, you know, that's not enough, right? We really need to focus on the basic needs that we need to address in our communities, so that our communities can be all of those things. Can We can have those healthy communities. And that is making sure that people are housed, that we have enough housing for everybody at different levels of affordability, that we have, you know, food on the table for people, that people can pay their bills on time. And uh, that we're not seeing people having to move around from place to place because they can't afford to stay where where they are. And, and I have to tell you, even in Briarcliff, this is truly an issue because um, you know I saw yes, it, it from 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 the town perspective. I saw it when I was working for Sandy. Um, and you know, even our our, our very our, our more well-to-do families, um, you know, often struggle to make ends meet. And uh, you know, we need to do everything we can to make sure that uh, people have. The tools that they need to stay where they are, to you know, find a place that's comfortable for them, and that they can live um, affordably, and that they can continue to be, you know, be productive and have um, happy, healthy lives.
0: So I'm struck once again by the fact that you seem to be talking about issues that have, uh, if 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 I'm to use the the political. Parlance of bipartisanism, mm-hmm. that that, regardless of of where you are along the spectrum, there's a lot of agreement on those issues. Sure. Uh, so that's wonderful to hear that you're working on these things, and we can make progress at least on those things that we can agree on. Do you find yourself an outlier, or or, or do you find the assembly is filled with people who think like you do, and we just need to work harder at?
1: I just uh, hang uh, out with the people music. who think like I do. No, I'm just. <laughs> <trying> to- <laughs> there are a lot of people who think uh who do think like i do um but i don't i don't know that i'm an outlier uh i wouldn't say that i am i don't think so and i and i try not to be extreme about anything because i don't think that it's of benefit i think you know what we all have to understand and i mean especially looking at our current fiscal uh, our federal um crisis right now that we're that we're facing um you know we we have to figure out a way to compromise um we have to figure out a way to do better, uh, because ultimately, you know, the bottom line affects all of us. And, uh, you know, I I did just get a call off of a call with our congressman about, you know, what's going on with um, the debt ceiling. And we we need to make sure that those bills can can be paid because that's going to affect our schools. It's going to affect our seniors. It's going to affect our veterans. It's going to affect, you know, all of the folks that rely on their Social Security checks and uh, Medicare, Medicaid, you know, everything. And, you know, it all come, you know, so much of the funding that we rely upon at the state level and at the local level comes, you know, through the federal government. And we need to make sure that we can, you know, pay our bills and make ends meet. So uh, we have to come to agreement. We have to compromise. That's the only way that we're going to be able to move forward.
0: Are you optimistic that we're going to get there?
1: (sighs) I'm nervous. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, as we all are.
1: Uh, I, I, I'm generally an optimist, but I am a little bit nervous. And, you know, I was just trying to figure out, you know, the state actually, I think, separates out its debt um, in, you know, different bills. And we always talk about even at the state. And the, again, this came up and was new for me, obviously, because of negotiating the budget. We I know our budget was late. Um, you know, how do you separate policy out from from the budget issues and, you know, policy and budget are very closely tied together, but sometimes one thing can hamstring everything else. And you want to make sure that that doesn't really happen too much. So you try to separate those things out. But again, they're, you know, unfortunately budgets are tools and they're off, often um, negotiating tools that uh, one uh, portion of the government or another uses to get something from the other. So whether, you know, it's the chief the chief elected official as a governor or a president um, or, you know, trying to get out of the legislature or vice versa. um, You know, that's that's often what these uh, issues come down to. And uh, we'd like to have these things be cleaner, but sometimes it just isn't the way that it works, unfortunately, in our, in our democracy. Oh, great! So
0: we all have our fingers crossed.
1: Yes, absolutely. Our fingers are tightly crossed, and uh, and we and we have to keep writing those letters to make sure that our that our federal government, our legislature, our legislature hears us and knows that we want to make sure that we can keep food on the table, that we can keep those bills paid, and we can keep our schools uh, functioning.
0: Great, thank you for that. So you've talked a little bit about you played a role in the board of education. You've you've supported school funding. Can you tell us a little bit about your philosophy when it comes to public schools? education?
1: Well, I am personally a product of public schools and I uh very strong advocate for public schools. I think that um uh, you know our entire society is is better off with an educated public and everybody deserves a sound basic education. And uh, I'm I'm always going to support schools. And when people, you know, I know people often say, well, I'm a senior and I don't have any kids in the school and therefore I shouldn't have to pay for schools. Well, we know property values uh, are based on, you know, how good your schools are. And we know that we want to make sure that people can take care of us when we're older. Uh, So we want to make sure that we have all those people in place, those professionals, the doctors, the nurses, the um, technicians, everybody in place. And you don't get there if you can't read and write. Uh, So you need, you know, we really need people to be able to, get a great education, um, no matter where you come from or, you know, what we need to make sure that that is, that's the the basic root of everything. And like, I certainly think that it's the the root of who's going to figure out how we're going to get out of this, uh, climate crisis. So we need, I'm hoping that your kids are working on that. Your students here at Briarcliff High School and middle school, um, at, that, that they're working on, um, you know, the solutions because, um, I don't think we're there yet, uh, but we need to be moving there much, much faster than we have been.
0: I'm very optimistic about our students' capacity to solve some of these problems. More optimistic than I am about my generation being able to solve sure, these problems. that makes a lot and of And I sense. think that has a lot to do with the education they're receiving, particularly in, in this area. Yeah. So thank you for your support there as well. And um, are there school-related issues that you think you would like to address as a member of the Assembly?
1: Good question, and I'm not sure that I know what the answer is. I mean, again, I think overall, um, you know, making sure that people that that everybody has a pathway to success. Um, one of the one of the actual interesting, and this this will make sense, obviously. Uh, you know, we had a great science research program at Austin, and I know that you also have a good uh, program here in Briarcliff. Um, a lot of our you know our the, our scholars come out with so many skills, and what, you know, what is it that about those programs that sort of, you know, make them so rewarding? Um, And I think that it's that there are, you know students sort of become passionate about something and there's motivation, there's competition, um, positive competition, positive reinforcement focus around all of the different pieces that they need to put together for for a lot of these competitions that they that they compete that they're part of through the research process but also the the act of research and understanding you know how, research can inform decision-making and what does it mean to do that research? So one of the things that I've always been interested in, and I know that more and more schools are looking at this, and um, I think that even the regents are, is, um, is actually having sort of the same kind of science research for civics. And, of course, coming from, you know, a a position, a civics position as I am in now, I think, you know, it makes sense to think about that. But really understanding, you know, I, I was recently had the opportunity to go in and talk to a participation in government class. And I know that, you know, students are required to to do these classes, but I don't really think people even understand What the impact of their on their daily lives, their local government, I mean, you know, again, having been town supervisor, what what the local government has on their lives. You know, people want to participate in the presidential elections, but they don't necessarily think about how the mayoral elections or the town supervisor election or the school board election um, has even more direct impact on their everyday lives. Um, so I think it'd be great for students to have an understanding. I still remember I had got interviewed by my neighbor um, when he was in college about um, uh, property taxes, or you know, he was doing some kind of a, p- a paper on on uh, property taxes. And he's like, well, I think school taxes sh- should, or property taxes need to go down. I said, you do understand that this is, you know, how we pay for our public schools, right? Just, I just want to make sure that you understand that, you know, about 70 Seventy-five percent of your property taxes are going to pay for for your schools. That's the oh, I didn't know that. I mean, how many students here in Briarcliff even understand that? That's what when you say property taxes, that's what you're talking about. Probably not that many. And a lot of people, again, I, just, I know I started talking about how I learned from Sandy, you know, because we were doing a lot of research on different different types of taxes. I, the the reason that property taxes are the way that schools are funded because it's the more stable tax. Than income tax. I mean, look what what happened with income during the pandemic, or during the recession, or during the you know the almost recession, or wherever we are now. And you know, seeing income fluctuate the way it does, you know, may or may not be the best um, best way to fund schools either. I know that we were always looking for some kind of a hybrid that maybe you know could help. And essentially, you know, when you have more and more funding coming from the state, like we do now with foundation aid there you're starting to kind of get at it i think get at what the, what some of those issues are but anyway back to the back to your question you know what what do i think you know from a legislative perspective i mean i would love to see um you know an emphasis on civics um and also you know i know that you know we're seeing more and more of these you know sort of these hate crimes and a lot of other a lot of, a lot of crazy stuff going on around the, the, the country um i know that we have very tough laws here in the state you know um Um, that address safety in our schools. Uh, But I want to make sure that we continue to work on that uh, more and more to make sure that we have um, places that people do feel safe and they can walk into their school without concern every single day. And I think that, you know, honestly, I think that that is something that has to happen at the federal level um, to really be effective. Um, but, you know, we can continue to work on it here from communication standpoint um, and from, you know, whatever it is uh, to make people feel safe without making them feel like they're they're entering a police state when they come to school. And I think that, you know, we have to find and strike that careful balance.
0: Yeah, and I think that last one has been really topical with all that's going on across the country. Yeah. With, with, unfortunately, uh, with some uh, tragic events at uh, school districts around the country, that's really one that parents struggle with because I think in the, in the abstract, it feels great. Hey, there's there, you know, if we, if we fortify our schools, then our kids will be safer. Uh, but the question is a little bit more enigmatic than that in terms of really what we need to do to make kids feel safe, feel comfortable. And, you know, uh, able to express their potential academically because they're not worried about all sorts of things. Um, from, a, from a funding perspective, that would you know that would be interesting. I think that's something that the state could help school districts do sure. uh, with regard to a security posture and in and, and trying to help uh, school districts grapple with um, providing that presence that makes people feel safe while allowing what's going on internally to really feel warm and supportive. Mm
1: -hmm, Absolutely. That
0: balance is very, very important. So thank you for that. Yeah. The other issue that school districts, and I know um, the public sector is also and in the private sector, I guess, to a great degree, is struggling with, but we have certain restraints in the public sector and the in our school districts with regard to how we hire people. Mm-hmm. Um, school districts are having trouble filling both entry-level school positions as well as qualified math, science, world language teachers, uh, and administrators. Have you thought about how the state might play a role in attracting qualified individuals or removing barriers that inhibit individuals from becoming qualified teachers or school leaders?
1: Um, so, why, one of the things I know is a big issue statewide um, is, and and again, it's not just our state but elsewhere is is housing. Um, Housing is a really critical issue for so many people, and it's hard to find housing that you can actually afford and um, in the district where you want to work. Uh, So I think that that's going to continue to be an issue and one that I'm – you know, kind of focused on, I was disappointed that the housing compact that the governor um, had introduced kind of just dropped out of the budget completely versus coming up with some potential solutions for actually building more housing in a way that was um, sustainable and also um, doable um, for communities across the state, I think that it would be really helpful to have um, sort of multi-level affordability of housing um, in districts to make it easier for teachers and workforce housing to, you know, live near where they could work. And it would be certainly a way to attract people um, here. And, and, you know, I actually know that in other countries, they actually build housing on campuses for teachers. Um, I also think that, uh, you know, we need to make sure that SED has Um, The state education department actually has the resources that they need to turn over if people are coming from uh, different. Uh, career states path. or career paths that they can turn turn them around quickly. I know that that sometimes can be very frustrating. Um, and I do believe that they hired almost 200 new full-time uh, positions or that, that they were in the budget um, for last year, 2223. And this year, I know that they're still trying to hire for those positions. And there's no doubt that hiring has been challenging. Um, you know, a lot of people are looking at this, you um, uh, our asylum seekers as, um, as, a, as, a, as a problem. But we can also look at it as a potential solution because so many people coming here from other countries um, have the potential to do amazing things. And when we are looking at so many open positions, whether it's in education or technical careers or anything across the board, um, I think that we need to think more uh, creatively about those folks who are coming here um, who would would need to find work the who are looking to acculturate, who are looking to be successful um, and are looking to be um, e- uh, economic engines in our communities um, versus economic dependence. And, uh, and you know, we can figure out ways to do that. I think if we work together to support them, um, you know, so many people, again, have come over with advanced degrees um, now looking for uh, a safe place to live in and, and to make family, um, you know, set up with their families um, or start families. And I think that we need to find a way to welcome people. and um, to that end, actually, I did uh, help start an organization, Open Arms for Refugees uh, about a year and a half ago. And I was at a lovely event last night celebrating so many of the successes of the families that um, that we have helped to settle, who have been able to get jobs within, I think six months, which is incredible. Um, and I think that again, we need to look to our federal government for help, speeding up that track. Um, and making sure that we actually have a path to um, allow people to live, work, and succeed here.
0: Yeah, well, we we've, we've have had great success with career changers and people coming from other industries, if not other places, mm-hmm. uh, who have the capacity to be uh, even our science and math teachers, uh, if not just uh, entry-level positions across the district. We've had great success with that. So that would be very helpful. Thank you. Um do you have a message or anything you'd like to say to the students that might be listening today?
1: Well, I think that the best thing I can say is continue to read, 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 question everything, um, n- never stop asking those questions that you have questions about, um, and engage, engage with your teachers. I know that um, as maybe some of the students are going off to college, I my, one of my big biggest pieces of advice was something I didn't necessarily do myself. Um, but I wish I had was to make sure that you really, um, make connections and relationships, build relationships with your professors. Um, I think that it's so important on, on so many different levels and you're going to get so much more out of your learning experience. If you do, obviously, um, you're going to also learn so much from your fellow students. Um, I, we have a wonderful internship program and, and as summer is, uh, Best approaching. If you haven't figured out your plans yet uh, and you think about, consider uh, wanting to help for a few hours in an, in a legislative office, um, please do give my office a call. It's uh, right in Austin and hopefully we'll continue to be very close. Uh, we have to, we're probably going to have to move in uh beginning of July, but the number is 914-941-1111. Pretty easy. Um, you can also... Email Victoria Caffarelli at Caffarelli, that's C-A-F-A-R-E-L-L-I-V, as in Victoria, at nyassembly.gov, G-O-V, Um, if you would like to uh, sign up for an internship. And I think we even have possibly an application on my website, on my assembly website.
0: That's wonderful. So, um Students who are listening, that's 914-941-1111. You got it. Summer internship in Assemblywoman Dana Levenberg's office. That would be wonderful. Well, thank you very much for talking to us today. This has been very inspiring. uh, And good luck with your work.
1: Thank you so much. And uh, I really do hope that people uh, had a chance to listen, maybe get get psyched to start a career in... uh, in civil service and uh, you know, and and serving or being a public servant is extremely rewarding. It has been for me um, whether just watching so many students and uh, young people succeed um, who have either come through uh internship programs or have been positively impacted by some, uh, changes that we've made in the town or in the school district. Uh, it's, it's all fantastic. And I hope that I can continue to do great work in the assembly. And, uh, thanks for your, op- for this opportunity to talk to so many people.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Supercast. And remember it takes all of us working together to raise healthy kids.